Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the very first episode of the Everyman Upland podcast. I'm excited about this project. Um, here, my esteemed co-host is with me today. Hello, this is Henry Norman sitting in on the Everyman Upland podcast. Awesome. Oh, and by the way, I'm Sam Baker. Uh, on Instagram, Everyman Upland. Henry. That handle is Quail Guy Dogman. There. Yeah. So check us out on Instagram. Um, so yeah, just a little bit about us. Um, I am a quail guy, dog enthusiast, father, husband. Um, I've been a hunter since I was a kid, since I can kind of remember. Um, my dad, uh, was a quail guide for 35 years and retired from that. And once I could, was old enough to, or in a situation where I was old enough to get a bird dog, I got one, and now I'm up to three with one on the way. How about you, Henry? Um, I was sort of born into this, and I don't know how much of a choice I've had, but um, I'm my family's owned a quail hunting plantation shooting preserve for, uh, this is, a, I think we're into our 51st season now. And... Um, so my granddad started it in 69 and uh my father guided along with Sam's dad and he still occasionally guides uh, against his will. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and um so I've been guiding for now for um 9 years since I was 20 and I too am a father, husband. How many bird dogs have you had and um, how many do you have see, now? In total, I'd have to do some thinking. Um and I've gone through some. I was I was lucky lucky enough to be gifted some uh, some broke dogs whenever I started, um, so that was very fortunate. And I'd like to thank the people that helped me out with mainly my my dad and a few other guides around here. But um, I started with a lot of um, Vislas because that was what we had a lot of at the time. Um, Oh my gosh. I I would say just a rough estimate. I'll probably have to count this later, but probably in the neighborhood of a dozen to 15 bird dogs, just not, you know, some shared, but, um, sure. owned dogs. Let's see. Um, it's a think, gray area for some of your dogs, five, five or six owned, yeah. owned bird dogs. I mean, like from the pup to training to everything. And, uh, anyway, yeah, they've all been, They've all been fun to work with in different in different ways. Sure. So if you haven't figured out yet, um, this podcast is all about um, hunting, bird hunting, wild, well, not upland bird hunting, in specifically the context of uh, South Georgia, where we are located. Uh, you could kind of stretch this out to North Florida, Middle Georgia. Probably into Alabama. And so certain things that come along with bird hunting in this area is that, um, you know, back in its heyday in the 40s, 50s, and and on even further into that, um, this was a very good region to find wild birds. And you could go out in an afternoon and and easily bag a limit and, you know, have a great time just walking a fence row. These days, there's not as many wild birds to be found, so other types of hunting have popped up to fill that market basically. And by that, I mean preserve hunting or, um, private or public preserve hunting. Yeah. So we're going to get into that later in this episode, but I just want to say, uh, if you stick with us for the long term, uh, we're going to be talking about dogs and birds and conservation and guns and gear and, Everything there is to do with upland hunting. Probably some some messed up stories that happened on uh, some some little personal <clears throat> anecdotes. Yes, because there's plenty of those. Awesome, I'm looking forward to those uh, personally. Um, we're gonna try to take you along on some hunts uh, with us as soon as we can do that. It is raining today, so we're not out in the field today, but. Um, Speaking of, how has your season been? 
Um, we've gotten into some new stuff this season, so it's been really exciting. We've uh, we've done a lot more public land hunting on some local WMAs and gone gone far. And, and uh, uh, Sam actually had some some good luck uh, drawing on his very first attempt a uh, quota hunt at at a yeah. WMA in, in uh, middle Georgia and he yeah. was he was nice enough to invite me along and we had a we had a blast doing that so that was probably one of the highlights of the season but uh usually I'm a, a big duck hunter and I've, I've been a few this few times this year and really haven't uh I haven't killed a duck so we just had some bad luck there and just kind of procrastinated till the end of the season but yeah I th- feel like I spent most of my um I've played around with bird hunting for a while but this is the first time i've dedicated like almost a whole season to nothing but i mean i didn't go deer hunting one time um i got invited to mississippi on a duck trip which was which was cool but kind of out of the ordinary for me and henry's like i mean me and henry are like partners in crime on all of our hunting trips so um we don't uh, there's not too much hunting that we do not together yeah someone like someone has hunting. to uh in, invite us to for us to pretty much separate if, if yeah. one of us is doing something around here we're we're it's pretty much understood that the other one's coming <laughs> for sure so with that said um let's get into more about what we're about and who we are just as a podcast moving forward um Something we were talking about before we hit record was <laughs> we are lowering the bar. Uh, I don't know if we're lowering the bar for production value in uh, <laughs> Upland-related podcasts, but we sure do want to lower the bar, and we will get into why a little later in this episode, but we want to lower the bar to access to the Uplands and to Upland hunting because I think the the current state of upland hunting especially in south georgia is does not lend itself to looking like something you can just go do for the every man it kind of seems like access is very limited yeah the the uh the industry paints almost a picture of um I don't know. There's there's definitely a stigma of wealth associated with with quail hunting in this area specifically. Yeah. Maybe maybe not as much in in uh, other parts of the country, but um, with quail hunting, there there is a um, there's just a certain uh, I don't know. There's almost even its own fashion and own own world, and the the fact is, it's 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 such a fun pastime and sport that more people should enjoy it, and and we're trying to let you know that you don't need you don't you don't you don't need the outfit to go out there and do it although you know nothing wrong with it oh no absolutely but like i said you don't have to and we're going to talk about access but as far as land goes uh for georgians there's access to thousands of acres of well-managed hunting land for bobwhite quail not only bobwhite quail but um woodcock uh snipe grouse i've not hunted public dove but there is access to that and we'll talk about that waterfowl as well yeah waterfowl turkey i mean sam and i've done some diy out of state waterfowl in florida which i mean yeah we we had fun so i mean we considered it a success oh yeah man saw flamingo come right into our uh decoy spread it was nuts (laughs) But, um, yeah, so we just want to help. Our major goal here at Everman Upland is to help you get into the uplands, especially if you're that guy or gal hunter, no matter your age, um, and you're in Georgia, and you've kind of been looking in from the outside for a while, and you want to take that first step. We want to help you do that. And today, we're going to kind of start you on that journey henry used the word industry later we're going to kind of walk you through the state of upland birdland uh, upland birdland hunting (laughs) upland bird hunting in georgia and we've broken it down into private and public and then furthermore into uh private 
wild, wild bird birds. Hunt. Yeah. Uh, private preserve shooting, which we'll get into what that means if you don't know. And then public preserve shooting and public wild bird hunting, which is probably what we'll spend the most time on. But let's start with uh, private wild bird hunting. Kind of okay, walks so, through that. So private wild bird hunting can probably be anything from, you know, just owning some farmland and trying to, you know, manage parts of your land for for quail and and hunting it yourself and not giving access to to anyone but who you choose to. Sure. And we um, live in a really rural area, by the way. If if you don't know, South Georgia, Southwest Georgia is ninety nine percent farmland yeah i think uh, the county that we're from is on in the top 10 as far as agriculture agricultural counties in the nation so we're yeah we're in the we're in the middle of a lot of uh row, it, a lot of row crop cotton yeah. and uh peanuts um not a lot of grain a lot of produce here actually but anyway big farms we live in the middle of big farms so and traditional as i mentioned earlier quail around here that weren't killed in quail woods or, you know, the, the big pines and wire grass that you see a lot of, um, they're killed on fence rows. They're, they're just a bird that likes dense cover. And, you know, there's a lot of fence rows around a lot of fields around here. So there were a lot of quail at one point. Yeah. So hot tip number one, if you're in South Georgia and North Florida, probably South Alabama, I'm going to throw you in there too. If you know of a farm who has kept their fields relatively small and has like a, hedge row fence what we call fence row but like a grown-up uh fence row uh separating the fields you may have birds that would be a good first spot to check yeah and you can you can find out for sure just by going there in the afternoon and and uh listening right before dark for them to call or in the very early morning you know that's probably going to be your easiest way to, to determine if there are birds around which is cool the one cool thing about a bob white is that's where they get their name from um yeah bob white quail i mean there you go sound effects um, <laughs> he actually whistled that that was not uh, that, we didn't edit that in that's 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 experience so that's uh private land wild birds as far as farm but there's another as far as industry goes when people talk about private wild birds they're talking about plantations Namely, in that North Florida, South Georgia, Red Hills area, Thomasville. We're talking about Thomasville, Thomasville, Tallahassee, <laughs> is a mecca. It's a mecca. It's been a mecca for bird hunting for a hundred years. I mean, you're talking about dog trainers and big plantations, uh, the big longleaf and wiregrass, and and all that comes with it. That is a, an area. Uh, that we don't have a lot of experience with because that's not accessible to me or Henry. Yeah, and so one thing um, probably should have mentioned when we're introducing ourselves is the the type of hunting we do. Um, we did say that we were guides, but the, the, the type of hunting we do is very different from, say, field trials or um, other, other like, dog competitions. Uh, we're, we're, you know, this is a... This is, we work for an industry that's, you know, it, 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 we take clients hunting and they're, ha they have fun. There's no, there's no competition. We're not trying to see who has the best dogs or anything. We're just trying to, the ultimate goal is to see if we can give our clients, you know, a good time, a really good time. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but it's on foot. Yeah. We don't do horseback hunting. So the dogs range a lot closer. Yeah. There's, there's, there are a few differences, but I mean. A well-trained dog is a well-trained dog. They're going to, you know, you, you you can tell. Yeah, yeah. And we're definitely going to get into dogs heavily on subsequent episodes yes. because that's like 80% of yeah. bird hunting is uh, dogs. Um, but, yeah, these private plantations in South Georgia, we don't really know a lot about them because I, I, all I know is that they're big and exclusive and uh, unless you're very affluent and get an invite to one of them, uh, it's really not something that's accessible to everyone. But on the conservation side of things, they have a tremendous impact on putting together 
a patchwork of a large area of land that supports up to two birds per acre. So if you're into like quail forever or another conservation uh, group that supports upland birds, two birds per acre is great for this part of the world. I mean, that's like phenomenal. If they're doing like one bird per acre, they're still having a pretty good year. So, um, conservation wise, they're a, they're a win for everybody, even though access is pretty low. So let's move on to a private preserve. You want to take that one? Okay. So private preserve would just be a, uh, it, it could be almost, it wouldn't, if from the outside, outside eye, it would look just like a public preserve barring, um, access. That's the main difference. You would have to, you'd have to be invited and that means they're not out to make money. They're out to, um, uh, it's, it's usually like a client type thing, like, a a CEO or a, a business in general will own a, a yeah, I think like, out, Sam. yeah, a corporation, <laughs> uh, typically a corporation or, um, just in some of the cases around here, just a big business will own, uh, like a thousand acres and yeah, manage and then, it for quail. And, and it could just be, you know, they own some land, like they buy a piece of land or just a piece of land that they use for something else, like some farmland that they own, mm-hmm. that they're, they double as a hunting track for clients. So it's just kind of like a, a fringe benefit of doing business with them. Yeah. And they typically invite their clients or people they do business with out as a means of facilitating further business decisions and stuff. So that's an area that's like, besides maybe some good habitat management practices, you can't really aim for that. Right. Yeah. So if you I mean, know would, one of these places are near you don't like hold your breath on getting access to that. Yeah. It's more of like, you know, it's, it's very, very close to a, a, a private preserve. I mean, yeah. no one's, no one's going to, they're, 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 they're probably hiring out guides. There, there's no, there's probably not many like on-call full-time guides. They're probably using a, a service. Yeah, they might just have, or they have one guy Yeah, that just does, he manages the dogs, so, the birds. Tip, typically a smaller operation, yeah. smaller kennels, but you know, still good for quail hunting in general. Like, ha- like Sam mentioned with habitat, they're still, you know. Yeah. But you can't aim for going. Yeah, it's, no. it's not like me and Henry can be like, okay, we really want to go. It's private. Yeah. It's invite only. Unless so, it's a club, which... You could you know, get access, but, I mean, you're going to have to pay a pretty pretty hefty fee. And, and you're going to... That might be something, you know, if, you, if you've if you got a lot of money and decent income and you, you have, you know, you have dogs, your own dogs. Some, there are yeah. some places like that where you can you can come and kind of put your own birds out and, sure. uh, and work them. And, but that, that's still... <laughs> Yeah, but a way better option is our next option is um, public preserves like the one we work at, Quail Ridge Plantation. Yeah, so um, on public preserves, uh, anyone can call, make an appointment, um, book a date, and you know most of these places have lodging, uh, meals. Mm-hmm. You know you're gonna you're gonna go and be taken care of. They're, it's pretty much an all inclusive stay wherever pretty much any any plantation around here is going to be about similar um yeah and when we say thing uh when we say the word preserve we're talking about a place that supplements the wild birds or maybe completely supplements with pen raised birds there's going to be pen raised birds in the equation it's not a hundred percent or even a high percent wild birds yeah, and th- and these places are they're really geared towards exposing a lot of people to the sport of quail hunting because without I mean without supplementing birds you're not going to be able to um you know there on on on, play, on on land now there's not many wild coveys like on a farm a 650 acre farm you might know of you know four or five coveys and that would be a lot banging that would be be great that would be like managed for quail yeah and you're doing well with with Mm -hmm. your management yeah and so preserves but we do want to spend some time on preserves because our public preserves because i feel like they fill a niche 
that is important for the sport. But we'll circle back to that um, because the next point of access, which is a, a oh, um, access wise, how do you feel about public preserves? I feel like they're accessible. Like you can save the going rates like a thousand dollars a day. That's with a stay. That's with overnight accommodations, meals, birds. Yeah, and most most uh, places, including Quail Ridge, is going to work with you if you just want to come for half a day, if you want to come for half a day and a meal, if you want to come for half a day, spend the night, hunt the morning, then leave. I mean, everything's flexible usually yeah. on those fronts. So This isn't like booking with a major resort where everything's yeah, up cement. Up, oh, we got a, a baby <laughs> alert. Yeah, told you we're both dads. So, yep. you know, well, mom's home. <laughs> yep, and uh, so a lot of these places, most places, you know, they'll work with you, your timing. I mean, they're not gonna if they're really booked up, they're not gonna bend over backwards. But access wise, I think it's very their season. A their season is extended in Georgia, so it's a six month October. October 1st to March 31st mm-hmm. season, um, which might mean you, you're hunting in some hot weather. Yeah. South Georgia, uh, FYI, uh, very hot in October. Yeah. Like 80 degrees. And March. Yep. Uh, or 80 plus. I mean, it's, it's it can be killer. Um, but, yeah, I think $1,000 a day is something that uh, that's yeah, not for everyone you're not not yeah. everyone's gonna afford that you're not gonna be able to go you know several times a year i mean some people will but yeah. you know if the average person's probably not gonna want to spend that much you know multiple multiple times a year and you know that's and that's kind of why we're we're gonna that that leads us into hunting public land yeah we don't spend that much on preserve yeah. hunting i tell you that much i don't even know i don't know if i've paid to go on a preserve yeah, i've been i've also, been preserved i also hunting. haven't been on a full preserve hunt before oh that's true <laughs> i have i got well i went on a private <laughs> preserve uh i worked for a company briefly and i that company used a this box manufacturer they made boxes cardboard boxes and they invite us out to shoot for half a day hmm. um i'm a terrible client though just to all the listeners out there who might be guides, you know what I'm talking about. Your guides probably don't make the best clients. But anyway, um, let's get to the bread and butter, though, because the point of access that is available for almost every Georgian um, is public land, and specifically our experiences with wildlife management areas, which we will refer to as WMAs. Or I'm not going to say WMA. W. WMA. Um, yeah, and they're kind of speckled around the state. You can check out the Georgia DNR website. Um, what's the app called now? Go Outdoors Georgia. I don't know, but I will get back to you in one moment. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll put a link to it in the show notes if we ever have show notes. Um, yeah, so... Before we get in that, we are going to take a quick break. And we're back. Um, yeah, so we were quick uh, dad and coffee break. Um, we were talking about public land and how it is the most accessible way to hunt these little bobwhite quail and woodcock and grouse, although not much experience there. Hopefully in the future we will have some experience with that. That's definitely on our bucket list. Yeah, for sure. And so we are really excited about public land hunting. Right now in Georgia for residents, I don't know for non-residents, but for residents, um, $19.00. A year gets you at uh, okay on top of a normal hunting license. Um, or what do you pay? I, I buy the sportsman's, yeah. I think thing. sportsman's covers deer, turkey, everything um, but dove. a federal duck stamp, yeah. 
So and small game. So yeah, public and land. I believe that was seventy dollars this year for a resident. Okay, seventy. And that's maybe with the uh, hard card. It may be seventy five. I think seventy five with a hard card, which I always like to have. Yeah, it's well, it's it's nice because if you have all your information on your phone and you're in the in the field and your phone dies, you yeah, yeah. kind of SOL when yeah DNR shows up. Yeah, yeah. And so 75 bucks to literally access to literally thousands of acres. There is a, I'll tell you, Alapal River WMA is near, it's, it's north of 7,000 acres. That is a ton of land. I mean. Yeah, if, if there's not a quail in there somewhere. There's 100% a quail in there. I've seen him. <laughs> I've seen him with my eyes. Um, the one but, Sam saw the one quail and all that. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be more. Um, but yeah, they're kind of spotted around the state. Um, the ones we've been on kind of range from middle Georgia to very south Georgia, and they're managed really well, I think, for a quail. Yeah, the, the the definitely the public land that we've we've seen this year. I I haven't actually gone to. Alapaha with Sam uh he did that solo but um uh the let's see Lanahassee yeah um, Lanahassee's got big hills um but that and that was that was the quota hunt that Sam was uh looking up to draw but there are also birds on WMAs that don't look like they hold birds it doesn't look like wiregrass and longleaf pine Although there is that, but a lot, there's a lot of places. Elmadale is real popular and Chickasaw Hatchie. Um, Elmadale is a lot of shrub, like a lot of, uh, and forb, you know, like beggar weed and goldenrod and mm-hmm. stuff like that. That's because that's the stuff that quail really need. They, they don't need longleaf pines. Yeah. It's nice, you know, to be able to fly under and, you know. <clears throat> some some canopy for them but it's not it's pretty to look at for us more than it is for them yeah yeah um so because okay getting into the nerdy weeds on conservation quail need a stump basal rate south of 30 if you know so that's 30 square feet of stump per acre that's not a lot of tree that's not a lot of tree so i mean it takes they don't need a lot of trees that's the point and a lot of these places that don't look like magazine, quote, quail habitat um, are holding birds because there's plenty of forb and brush and escape cover. It's just got the right mix because these uh, public land managers are, in most cases, um, managing for vulnerable species like gopher tortoise, uh, red cockaded woodpecker, and pitcher pa- pitcher plants and all those things it's the same management for quail as those species so we reap that benefit of the management efforts Mm -hmm. um so less so public wild birds um let's get into comparing some of the pros and cons between public preserve hunting and public wild bird hunting Sure. So if you're an average person um, with no dogs, no hunting dogs, trained hunting dogs, um, you know, you have a gun or you may not have a gun, but you do have an interest in, in quail hunting. The the public preserve is definitely going to be for you. The private or excuse me, the, the wild um, public, the wild birds you will find on public land require a little more work. Um, I would say a lot more a lot, work. Yeah, a lot more work. So Sam and I have been guiding, like we said, uh, for several years now and have our own dogs, uh, you know, have some, some living dogs, some kennel dogs that we borrow, but, um, we, we feel pretty confident in the ones that, uh, that we've trained and we took them from hunting only pen raised birds and well, and with some wild birds thrown in, I'm not, we, we don't have only pen raised birds at quail ridge there there are there is a pretty healthy wild population oh yeah definitely we've seen them several times this year but 
um, we took the dogs that are used to pen raised birds and took them out to public land with no, uh, the first time we went, we had a little, uh, Intel prior, or we actually had a guide, someone there with us who, who had had some, uh, prior knowledge to the area. But he was a the, buddy. Yeah. I want to say buddy, not guide. But yeah. But well, he, he was guiding us still. Yeah. yeah He's guiding true. us to the birds. He pointed us where to go. Yeah. Um, but the Lanahassee quota hunt we did this year, we went with no uh, prior knowledge of the area at all, really. Yeah. Um, On a 4,000 acre yeah. tract of public I, land, it's huge. And, and it, it took us a while and we actually, we lost a, a member of our party before we found birds, but we were able to find a covey and, and found them once, um, got a flush and a, a, a dead bird and came back later that afternoon, uh, and, and found them one more time. So we, you know, yeah. I, I, maybe not the most productive hunt, but you know, it was, I think all the miles were worth it. Yeah. So that brings me to a major point difference in who First of all, I think almost anyone can go to a public preserve. You're going to have a blast. Uh, There is walking involved, but the walking is typically easier because of the management they use on these places. The brush is a little um, kept down a little more, so the walking is easier. It's not, you know, a stroll on pristine lawn it's not like walking on a golf course but it is a little easier walking walking on public land you can be bushwhacking you know 10 miles through some thick thorns and briars and yeah there's um with public land there's usually some type of fire break system set up where they plow the dirt um for prescribed burning so that they can um, choose which areas they want to burn off. So those, those kind of double as trails. Um, mm-hmm. but that's a lot of, you know, unless, unless it's had several rains on it, that can be a lot of sludging through mud and sand. Yeah. Walking through hair dirt. If you've never, yeah. uh, done that, uh, it's think, think beach, but worse. Oh yeah. Yeah. It just sucks the morale out of a hunt. Especially, for me especially it, with some big, heavy hunting boots. Yeah, on. I would, I would rather bust through a uh, brush in my chaps than walk on yeah. fire break. Cause at least, you know, there, there might be some birds right there. Yeah, for <laughs> real. And so that brings us to, let's just cover. Okay. So public preserve hunting, um, it's a thousand dollars a day, give or take. Um, you're going to have everything provided meals, lodging, guide. You'll have a guide there who will be able to watch all the birds down, works the dogs, takes a lot of the, the management out of the hunt, which there's a lot of moving parts in a quail hunt, public or private. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're, especially if you're doing it yourself, you know, you're having to manage the dogs, your gun, you know, your shot, mm-hmm. you know, placing yourself to get a good shot. It's, it's a lot of work. And, and, and the other difference is wild birds are a lot more flighty. They're going to, you know, a, a dog may go on point and the bird just get up. I mean, it's, it's yeah. very, uh, or the birds you, run. Yeah. They, they, they run. The, the birds definitely act different wild versus released. Not to say that they're, it's not a challenge to hunt release birds because we have people all the time that will go out for three hours and see lots and lots of birds, like mm-hmm. dozens and dozens of birds. and Not hit very know, many. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, yeah. It happens to the best of us, too. Oh, yeah. Um, quail, so, quail are one of the harder animals to shoot. Yeah, I agree. And um, on a preserve, you're definitely going to see birds. There's yes. no doubt about it. The opportunities are guaranteed. I mean, more. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say they're if they're like, not guaranteed. The number of opportunities. Find another preserve. Yeah, the number of opportunities aren't like set in stone, but yeah, in a way they are. Unless it just like freak weather event yeah. happens. I mean, um, I will say when it comes to the area of like researching public preserve versus public land i would put equal effort into the research especially if i'm spending that kind of money into where i want me possibly my family because that's a that's the other thing we can mention real quick public preserves are a great way to introduce your family to or or even a spouse just a new or a, 
uh, girlfriend, boyfriend, partner, whatever, to hunting in general, to that style of hunting, where it's not just, uh, I'll tell you, my wife has no interest of just sitting in a deer stand. It's boring. She's going to fall asleep. She doesn't, it's not the kind of, for me, it's more of a zen uh, meditation experience. But for her, it's just like no interest. But now, cold. yeah, yeah, it's cold. Um, for her, yeah, it's just cold and boring. And, but walking around the woods, I mean, in a quail hunt, preserve, or public land, you're always moving. You don't have to worry about being that quiet. Now, in a in a point situation, maybe so. Yeah. But, you know, you, you can take a stroll and talk with your buddies. Yeah. Um, much more so on pu- uh, the preserve. Oh, yeah. I definitely. mean, it's like a golf course. I mean, in terms of the social aspect of it. But anyway, so it's a great place to take a family uh, member or spouse, whatever, another person buddy to introduce them to hunting because they're going to have a good time. They're going to, there's a, there's a safety officer. The guide is also your safety officer kind of can avoid, I mean, maybe you don't want to, you're a non-confrontational person and you're not going to want to correct your hunting buddy or the guide will correct them. (laughs) I will correct them, but let's get back to research. I think you put as much research into finding a good public preserve as you would finding a good piece of public land to hunt on because that uh these preserves aren't built the same they're they yeah so so you've you've really got places with there's there's more or less two mindsets on the matter, but um you have places that are that are more affordable the lodging may not be you know super you know you're not gonna it's not a five-star resort there's not a, a chef yeah cooking cooking for you more like a hunt camp yeah it's it's somewhere and and actually quail ridge where we work is falls somewhere between a hunt camp and a. I don't know it's it's a it's a classier hunt camp for sure it's not gonna i mean yeah the yeah. The, the lodging is more like houses rather than bunk houses um i mean you have you have, uh, I think, a, a there's not a latrine or an outhouse. No. I mean, you've got like a hot shower. And and there's Wi Fi. There's yeah, there's yeah, TVs. Yeah. There, I mean, it's it's comfortable. There's poker a, table, yeah, fireplace in every house. So it's it's, it's just a nice uh, nice atmosphere. But then you, on the other hand, you do have places where it's more about the aesthetic and more about the um, um, like a it's more like, like a resort, a, yeah, and almost like a niche experience and the fact that they the type of hunting might even be a little different. Like instead of, whereas we take out hunting buggies, uh, mostly Jeeps. Um, well, I guess exclusively Jeeps, but yeah. mostly CJs, CJs. Um, yeah, they might yeah, take out like horses. Yeah, they're, or they're, they're may have horse, horse and, buggies. and buggies or, or horses, just, just yeah. horses. And I'm or sure like there's, there's some proprietary, like custom hunting buggy, Type, yeah, so you know so they those the small details may change and stuff but um, yeah. and and that's going to be kind of the main indicator of price like you see mm-hmm. you see these places where it looks like a they're really trying to almost put on a hunt in a time period like everybody everybody has yeah. you know it's almost like a fox hunt in a way everybody has their regalia on mm-hmm. not, not to the same extent but it's a the idea is similar and that's what some people want that's what's and, I mean, and, and that it is cool be, to preserve preserve that piece of history. Yeah, I mean. and I think some are geared more, and some you might want to consider some are some are going to have a lot more stuff for a non shooter to do. So let's say if you went um, with your family and your spouse didn't want to hunt, but they wanted to go on this trip with you, is there stuff for them to do? Yeah, versus are are they or do you want them to be a part of the hunt? Um, you want to know like how many birds does the price include? Um, cause that's part of the pricing structure. Uh, look at some pictures of the woods. I would even say if you're local and you can drive, if there's some public roads, go look at the woods. If you know, cause every preserve has a, have posted, yeah, signs that there are there boundary are, lines and yeah but um because not all f- hunting f- 
so some people are going to call them hunting fields. Some people call them hunting courses. It just depends. They're not all created equal. No, they're not. They're not all managed equal. Um, I'm going to speak to Quail Ridge and, um, but Quail Ridge is managed in such a way that the courses are big. They're typically bigger. Um, you're not ever going to run into another party, uh, a hunting party. You might hear hear a distant shot. Yeah. Yeah. But, but they're a hill or two away. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you're not going to run up on them. And also it's managed in such a way you're going to find a lot of extra birds. What we call extra bird. You're, you're going to see a lot more birds. They could be wild coveys. They could be pre-release coveys. There's just a lot of birds. You're going to see a lot of birds, um, typically. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's some plantation, or we're going to use plantation preserve kind of interchangeably. There's some of these outfits that are for the boys, you know, and that's their, that's their niche. They're for the boys. Yeah. And then there's some that are going to be more family oriented. Just do your research, call, talk with the person who runs it. And the, some the other, don't like kids. Some yeah. love kids. The other thing you might want to consider is, um, if it's a bigger, uh, operation, expect a lot of other people to be there when you are. Yeah. So, um, especially if it's a weekend, especially if it's during the colder months, because, everybody's booked up on the weekends. Yeah. You, know, you, you may, you know, if you can time it right, you might want to go during the week if that works for your schedule, sure. because that would, that would kind of limit, uh, the amount of people you run into. Maybe you want to be around a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? But you want, you want to meet other hunters. Yeah. And we've had that happen. Uh, we've, it's been neat to see. Um, we've had some good friends, clients for years, um, just happened to be here on the same day, uh, two seasons ago, met each other. Um, formed a relationship and then the next year they both came together and hunted together the whole time which is super neat so as you can see we're not going to spend too much more time on this but there are a lot of benefits don't let any of the gatekeepers to the sport poo-poo uh public shooting preserves they serve a vital important role not only to uh, conservation and habitat management Um, but they serve a a really important role into introducing people to the sport, the longevity of the sport. A lot of people around here, like wouldn't have bird dogs if they weren't guiding. Yeah. Or, or access to bird dogs. I mean, if there were no plantations around, there wouldn't be these, these large kennels, uh, who, you know, to, that occasionally sell off a puppy or two. Yeah. Which brings us to public land hunting. So the the biggest pro to public land hunting is access to just wait, just so much land guys, girls, there's so much land out there. It kind of blew when me and Henry got into public land bird hunting. I don't know. It kind of blew me away. Cause I mean, Georgia is such, you know, out West people are used to public land, but in Georgia, you know, you typically amongst your deer hunting and duck hunting buddies aren't talking public land, but yeah, some, somebody's got a deer stand on a head that feed, you know, by a field or, yeah, yeah. Or so like they know some, somebody some wood somewhere, yeah. or, you know, there's a farmer's leasing his mm-hmm. land for deer or, but quail, quail's just sort of gone by the wayside the past few years, as far as public stuff, yeah, there's, there's just not a lot of public land quail hunters in Georgia. So much so that, like, I try to talk to my dad, who is a long-time quail hunter, hunted wild birds. It's such a different game. It's not even, and that goes back to preserve hunting, it's not even the same game. Preserve hunting or even hunting in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, the game that we're playing on public land isn't even the same game. It's, uh, because... Well, let's get into the. These can be cons or pros, depending on how adventurous you are. So, let's talk about the person who is public land hunting for Henry. I would say, um, 
with my experience in public land hunting and, and most of that comes from this year. Um, sure. Yeah. We're not pros at that. No, no, no. We've been just, in the, the bird hunting game a while, but pup, not public land. Yeah. So I would say, well, the type of people that we are, we already have dogs, you know, we're trained dogs that we've, we've, we've worked mm-hmm. with. So it was kind of a very easy, um, next step for our, our hunting journey to, yeah. to, to like, cha- it's really a, a challenge to, to me anyway, yeah. is to kind of like, okay, I've, I've done this, this is my job. I, I'm good at, I'm good at what I do in the realm of quail hunting, but I haven't really taken that next step to challenge myself and, and see if I can do it, you know. It's okay. <laughs> She's a lively girl. Yeah, she she gets excited about quail hunting. <laughs> but uh <laughs> Um anyway, yeah, yeah. as I was saying, um I think I think you have to have some level of fitness if you're really going to go onto these large public tracks of land and find wild coveys and and be able to hunt them and have a good time. Not saying that you have to be if you if you do your 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 due research i mean if you go early early in the morning listen for the quail drive as close as possible get out there and and i think you're still gonna you need to be prepared to walk like four or five miles easy even further but not you ain't got to be like marathon pace but you know you're gonna be walking and i'm not sure how much land we covered on our public hunts but a lot i mean and, and 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 but as as much as we walked we spent probably at least six hours at each each place mm-hmm. and as much as we walked we didn't cover a fraction of the land possible so yeah I, another piece of advice i might throw out there is if you do have a wma where you know or at least think there might be quail spend some time doing some scouting yeah um that's going to be your best friend because um I mean, it is doable to just show up at a place like eight o'clock in the morning after the birds are done whistling and, mm-hmm. and find some, you know, just by like looking for the, the quaily looking spots. And by that, I mean like you're looking for a food habitat. source, yeah. yeah, habitat, low areas with thick cover. And we're going to uh, cover it, all yeah, this we'll, future episodes. We're going to cover how to scout. Yes. Tools for scouting. But, um, yeah, I would say if the fitness isn't quite there, put a little more effort into scouting. Yeah could could save you a few a uh, few miles put ever into fitness go yeah. walking do both in your boots yeah scout uh with a 80 pound backpack on yeah yeah then then uh, <laughs> all day hunt will be nothing um so who is uh we're we're talking about lowering the bar to access i think um public land hunting for quail in south georgia is for the person who really loves their dogs yeah and really just likes the outdoors mm-hmm. because there have been, I would say me and Henry are kindred spirits in the sense that we get, we, I've seen a thousand hawks more than a thousand. I mean, I can't tell you how many hawks and squirrels and bird, you know, I get excited every time I see one. I mean, I'm just like, look at that squirrel. Look at that fox squirrel. Look at that hawk. Did you see that hawk? You know? Yeah, oh, a woodpecker. Yeah, two yeah. dove fly over, and we're like, look at those dove. <laughs> I mean, it's just pe- for people, and the people we hunt with on public land are very similar. They're always, like, kind of got their hand out, like, touching the beggar lice. And, you know, I, I mean, beggar lice, it, for those you don't know, is not a um, bug. It is a seed that comes off beggar weed. But, I mean... It, I get the sense that the people we hunt with, they're into it's an, the habitat yeah. and the outdoors. and It's an appreciation of where you're at and what you're doing more so than it is about killing birds or, or you yeah. know, bringing back a, you know, a, log, a, a big stack of birds or whatever, whatever the case may be. It's, you know, we, we went on some of these hunts, killed one bird, mm-hmm. you know. And still had a great success. time. Yeah. yeah. That it almost is even more fun because it's so rare that it, it makes that moment that much more. I, I killed a woodcock, my first woodcock this year. And I'm sure we'll, we'll, we may go uh, more in depth into that trip later, but, um, that was like in recent memory, one of the like funnest things 
hunting wise I've, I've done like it just that moment that like 10 seconds was just like, and the crew went insane. Yeah. We didn't even shoot, but we were, I mean, Oh, it was just insane. Yeah. I mean, with just a slight bit of back to back text, it was a, or backstory. It was, um, we were chasing a busted covey and he just got up out of nowhere. Yeah. And yeah, so it was really a busted covey of quail and, and, and that was about two random or, woodcock. Two or three weeks, at, well, no, it was like about a month after we just busted our first woodcock. We had flushed some woodcock. We just didn't get a shot at them because it was so, we were on a quota quail hunt and I don't know, we just weren't expecting to see one that far south and it was just like. Yeah, and at the time we were actually kind of not entirely sure whether about the it legality was legality of taking a woodcock on a specific quail hunt so which we found out and i plan on but speaking of just for people who might be interested in our project that we got going on here i want to get that uh wma manager on the podcast i yeah, think that'd be that cool be some good. dnr guys and give us a little you know like maybe some insight on the the uh finer details of some some laws and mm-hmm. And uh, and some access laws and what what what's good and what's a no no. Yeah, because there's uh, an area we haven't really explored is national forests here in Georgia. Because there's not where we are, there's not a lot. That's mainly like middle and north Georgia. You get into that, but right now, um, we just haven't ventured out that far. But so take away from that if you're in if you want to get your bag limit every time i think preserve shooting is more your game if you're more into walking and watching your dog work and seeing them progress and, and really um, and challenging, hand- challenging yourself as a hunter i yeah. mean because i think i think taking a wild quail or wild woodcock wild snipe any 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 of these small upland birds that you can find in georgia is is a really it's a hard, hard thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we have very high rates of success shooting preserved birds. Yeah. I'm not so, not so much that it's not a challenge. I miss all the time, but yeah, yeah. you know, just the, it's more about shooting. Yeah. And you know, I, I would say I probably have equal amounts of fun, probably even a little more fun wild bird hunting just because of the, the difficulty of it. I guess that's, that's what it boils down to. Yeah. Yeah. And that you just appreciate it that much more whenever it does come together. Absolutely. The last two points I want to make um, is just with a whole public land experience. I feel like some of the cool part of it is, is just being in woods and seeing seeing places that you know a lot of people don't come here. A lot of people don't see this part of Georgia or this aspect of you know, our back, our collective backyard, just because so few people are doing this. Yeah. And, and Georgia is kind of one of those places that it, it, even though there is a lot of rural, um, agriculture land and a a lot of what you see is, is, uh, is, you know, there's not, not a whole lot of people here. It's very sparsely populated, but all the land is fairly managed. Like it's all pretty much in farmland. So there's not a lot of wilderness in Georgia but hunting quail will put you in some wilderness, which is, oh, yeah. you know, and it is still managed wilderness. It's not completely wild. You know, a lot of these places are burned every year. They're, you know, they're planted in, in pines, but you get the feeling that, you know, you're just in this old, old area and yeah. doing something time honored by, by hunting quail. Like your, yeah, I like always your ancestor, not ancestors, but previous generations yeah ancestors sounds a little and that's the romantic side of quail hunt i think quail hunt upland hunting in general lends itself to being a sport for romantics kind of like fly fishing like it's almost more trouble than it's worth from a strictly like uh utilitarian perspective because like you're not gonna feed your family off a wild quail um, but it's just, it's like I said, I, to me, it's like fly fishing or bow hunting. It's just like this, there's a lot more art and science come together. It presents, it presents a set of challenges that you have to overcome. And, and it's just that much more fun to do that with your dog. Like, Oh yeah, man. It's like a team, it's a team sport. 
and it can be a team sport with your hunting buddy, you know, and like their dog. Yeah. Like <laughs> Sam and I have, have each have different dogs that normally we don't get to run together because we're work, we're working. And I feel like they're stronger. Like my dog and my dog, Purdy, who's we'll get more into our specific dogs, but my dog, Purdy, you can see her on Instagram. She's kind of a red, she looks like a Vishla, but she's not. Um, and I think Henry's dog, Rubo, who's an American Brittany, they work public land. They work just gangbusters together. Yeah, I think they're a sweet hunting team, and we don't get to do that work. Yeah, so that's that's another just great aspect of public land hunting. You can go and, like, you can set up your hunt, or, well, uh, I say set up. You can set up who you're hunting with, mm-hmm. the dogs you're using, you know, and we're lucky enough to have multiple dogs, so that gives us the opportunity to hunt all day without, you know, taxing our dogs mm-hmm. and wearing them out. Yeah. We can, and, you know, Sam has a, a nice two-bay dog box that we can kind of work work pairs out of. So yeah. it's been really nice uh, this year. and Yeah, it's just been a good good season. We're learning a lot. So let's close it out like this. Here's how I propose we close this out. When would you choose to hunt a preserve? Under what circumstances would you be like, I want to hunt a preserve versus hunting public land? All right. So in my specific case, I have a year-old daughter. Um, She's going to be introduced to hunting at some point in her life. She doesn't have to stick with it, Mm -hmm. but she will know, you know, how to safely handle a gun. And she will at least, you know, she doesn't doesn't have to kill a bird ever in her life if she doesn't want to. But she'll be out there and exposed to it and at least know gun safety. Um, that is the perfect opportunity when she's about 10, uh, 12 years old, something around there. When you, when you feel comfortable with her handling a gun, which needs to be done on your own time. Yeah. You do not. The guide's not there to show you how to use a gun. Very strongly recommended that you do not bring someone who has never touched a gun in their life. And not to say that I won't try to help those people and That's take what them hunting and stuff. Ranges are for. Yeah, but and and we yeah. actually have that at Quail Ridge, you know, and we have had people come before that have never handled a firearm, that have practiced on the clay clay's range and gone through a perfectly safe hunt, mm-hmm. you know, and we're we're more than happy to take those people hunting. Um, but I would say that that early hunters, especially your family, like Sam mentioned earlier, um, that is. That is the best um, demographic, I would say, to come to a preserve. That, and as Sam touched on earlier, um, just like a boys' weekend, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, if uh, like say there, let's say there's eight of you, you know, a bachelor's trip, a work trip, something yeah, like yeah. that, just a retreat, um, kind of reunion, yeah. Ish. Um, you basically you'll go out in pairs so you kind of get your your buddy time and especially if you stay like one or two days you'll switch it up after lunch because that's how kind of we're set up you go uh, morning hunt and afternoon hunt and so everybody kind of switches it up everybody gets to hang out and you see each other in the morning lunchtime and then at night you know you have fun have dinner out around the dinner table and i don't know it's a very uh um, very like has a very fellowshipy feel to it. Like everybody's good word. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think personally I would choose to pay to go on a preserve hunt. Matter of fact, I'm thinking of booking one if I can get away with it this year still to give my dog, uh, if, I, so if I were the guy who had, trained worked hard trained my dogs been hunting public land hitting it hard all all uh season um two reasons i'd go preserve one extend my season so you can get that good point last couple of hunts in and two to give my dog uh of like a super victory just like it's a party for your dog i mean the contacts wild birds versus preserved birds are going to be i mean in the 10 time like it's going to be an order of magnitude higher than the number of wild birds you see so if i just want my dog like by the rain is coming down (laughs) um we definitely won't be hunting today (laughs) no um but to give my dog that win or okay here's the other one i've got 
a six-month-old dog, and I'm about to get a puppy in March. Um, to their first couple of hunts are going to be preserved, no doubt. Yeah, it's so hard to train a dog on solely wild birds. It's almost impossible unless in you Georgia. have a, a covey yeah. that you can you know go to every time. But yeah. I mean, ninety nine percent of people. I would say even 99.9% of yeah. people are going to buy birds to train their dogs or at least buy frozen birds or something. They're, they're going to use actual birds or bird scent to train their dogs. And if you go to a preserve, you know, especially one that's willing to work with you, you know, we have no problem taking people with young dogs, nope. old dogs, even non-hunting breeds. Because we're there. You know, bring We've your chihuahuas. There. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's just a natural... It's a, it's and a, we're going to get into our dog training methods in future episodes. Like I said, we're just getting started with this first episode. But it's just that natural progression. If you've done your yard work and then you've done your, like, one or two bird field work kind of deal. And you want to take your dog on, like, a full hunt. Okay, we're at the show. I want you to put it all together. A preserve is, like, the perfect way to do that. And the pressure's off. Like, if your dog just goes buck wild, put it back in the box and get a... Yeah, try again in a little while. Get the guide's dog out there and have fun and don't don't sweat it. Because that it's just going to frustrate you on a wild bird hunt to walk 10 miles to find that covey and then it just never come together. I think that would be frustrating for me. Well, and yeah, and you don't, you know, you won't have to worry about getting getting mad at the dog. I mean, that's, I'm not saying that, you know, everybody gets mad at their dogs. I'm just saying, like, it's, it's like Sam said, it's really easy to put in a bunch of work to find a bird for an untrained dog and then to have them just, you know, mess it up. They don't learn anything. You don't, you're not helping them. Your blood and, pressure goes through the roof. Yeah. And not, not, I mean. Mine does. I'm just going to say mine does. That's how I operate. Well, and we have added pressure anyways because we're, we're trying to put on a good hunt for someone who's paying to go on a hunt. Yeah. If it's, you know, if if you're training your own dog, there's, there's a lot less pressure. Um, so we do, we do most all of our training without clients. We, you know. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't take a dog until I feel like I would, until I would take them hunting. Yeah. But to get back to, uh, those are kind of the circumstances I would choose a preserve hunt. And and Hen- those are on top of Henry's reasons. I mean, some kind of like, if you want to hang out with some people and have a good time, a guided preserve hunt in South Georgia is hard to beat for fun, fun yeah. factor. I would say most of Quail Ridge's business is like buddy trips slash yeah corporate you know but still yeah. you know everybody's pretty friendly yeah and then a little you know probably maybe a 25 percent of our businesses families yeah yeah which i mean and, and i don't really have a preference over each one they're both fun to take both i mean usually any one i take is going to be nice the other cat oh left this out huge the other category i think preserve hunting is for um is out-of-staters, people who, like, trip hunters. Because, and here's why. Here's why I wouldn't recommend, if you're from the Midwest and you want to hunt Bob White, why I, if you only had, like, a day or two to hunt wild birds in Georgia, learning these, unless you've got a buddy or you're going to pay somebody to take you out to this public land, Learning these places is like a seasons long endeavor to learn a WMA. That's why I like even quota hunts in Georgia, and we, we'll get into this in another podcast, but the quota system and all that. I don't think they're that, I don't think that's the best way to go about it because you've only got one shot at this and you're going blind. Whereas, like, the WMAs are more open more regularly. You can go back and learn it and kind of find yeah, multiple codes. Trial and error. Yeah. Um, but if you're an out-of-state trip hunter, coming to hunt on a preserve like Quail Ridge, I mean, you're going to find – you're going to get a feel for bobwhite quail. You're going to get a feel for the gentle rolling hills, the wiregrass, the longleaf, beautiful scenery – that's different from like prairie 
out in the mid or, or you know, aspen thickets in uh, the north woods or, you know, it's just a, if you want the scenery change and you want a species change, preserve hunting is not a bad way to go. Even if you want your dog to have access to these birds. <clears throat> and of course, you could buy pen raised bobwhites and put them out anywhere in your yard or whatever. But there's something just special about hunting. I mean, at Quail Ridge, I'll just speak for Quail Ridge here. I mean, we're putting them out in their habitat. We're not like, you know, in the off, it's not a mowed cornfield. In the off season, we're still hearing them in the woods. I mean, yeah, yeah. there are wild birds around year round. Um, so, yeah, we're not putting them in unnatural places to shoot. You know, you know you're not finding chucker in cornfields. You're not finding. Right, right. You know, so. Not getting that upland you, slam, yeah. that bobwhite pheasant chucker. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, um, guys, I I think that's a good way to wrap it up. If you're, uh, there's there's a place for the in this sport for you, and we hope that you can uh, learn as we learn and ask questions and be able to jump into this community because here here's the real uh, crux of it all is there's not a lot of people doing this. Yeah, and, we don't and, see a lot of orange vests out there when no. we're on public land. Yeah, and that's that's our main goal is to just try and give you guys uh, a means to to get out there with us. I mean, yeah. you know, we're we're going to be doing some reviews on gear, like Sam said, and uh, you know, trying to trying to let you know what you know what we like to do, what we like to use, the training tips that we use. And and again, it's not going to be for everybody. This is not going to you know you can't listen to this and then train a field trial ready dog no we're and we're gonna that. we're gonna give you the tips to have a walking gun dog mm-hmm. uh hopefully you know places to go to find quail yeah you know, not exact but you know we'll give you the we'll give you a ballpark because i mean yeah, yeah. you still got to get out there and do it i mean if you if you look at a you guys have the same maps and books that we have access to so it's not some of this stuff ain't secrets but anyway we hope uh, we hope you join us next time for the Everyman Upland podcast. Let us know what you thought. Leave a review and some comments of how we can make this better. And yeah, and if you've got any questions for the next episode, let us know. Um, and uh, if you you have an idea for a future episode on, on a subject you'd like us to cover, or if you have questions, um, any questions about Sam and I, uh, or you yeah. know, our 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 involvement in quail hunting up to this point just uh just shoot us a message yeah yeah that's uh everyman at everyman upland on instagram and and quail guide dog man separated by periods yep instagram yeah yeah all right thanks guys see y'all later